0: You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. It is Tuesday, January 5th. Appreciate you joining me. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. And today we're going to talk some uh, TCU basketball. We'll get into uh, their win against Kansas State and then a big game tonight against Kansas as the frogs try to get to three and one in conference play at home. obviously they will be underdogs against a highly ranked KU team. Uh, and then the second segment we'll talk about some uh, some big 12 news. Texas has a new head coach. I thought they were all done with the Tom Herman. Um, firing talk they you know they publicly flirted with urban meyer that didn't work out and i thought that was the end of that story but they make the surprising move to go with steve sarkeesian from alabama so we'll break that down in our final segment our weekly pro frogs report we take a look at how some tcu uh, former players did across the nfl this weekend week 17 probably will be our final one there are some uh, players that made the playoffs but not many so we'll we'll probably keep it at uh at We'll probably end that segment today. But anyway, let's get into this TCU-Kansas State game. Frogs win 67-60 to over the Wildcats. That moves them to 9-2 and on the season and 2-1 and in conference play. And uh, another huge day from R.J. Nembhard. Um, if you didn't know or you didn't think so, I feel like the last few weeks it's been cemented. R.J. Nembhard is the best player on this team. He is the person this offense runs through. Mike Miles might eventually become that guy. But right now, you know, if, if game's on the line and I need a big shot or you need a bucket, you need a stop down the stretch, RJ Nimhard is who I want being the focal point of this offense and defense because he is just, quite honestly, <clears throat> the best player on this team. He had 21 points, was 8-16 from the field. Mike Miles chipped in 11. Um, you know, Jaden Ledee had a nice game off the bench, 9 points. Again, Kevin Samuel Sam, y'all not really involved at all. Three shots, four points in the day, did have ten rebounds. Um, I'll continue to complain about this until it actually happens. I just – I don't understand how he can't even get a touch. Like, if Kev is not really effective on offense, I get it. And, you know, I, I would like to see him give some more effort. I do feel like at times he gets down the floor and he tries to post somebody up, and if they don't immediately – get him the basketball, he sort of just stays in that spot and gets a little stagnant, he doesn't run to the other side, he doesn't try to repost, he doesn't try to reposition. It's sort of one and done for him on the offensive end. At the same time, though, you have to find a way to get your best players the ball. And they're doing a nice job of getting Mike Miles involved, getting RJ and Emhart involved. Obviously that's easier because they're guards, so they're going to touch the ball more in general. I just – I wish they could find a way to give Kevin Samuel some opportunities, especially the next few games because, uh, for instance, against a team like Baylor, he's really the only advantage you're going to have. I mean, Baylor has some bigs in Johnson, Chachua, and Flo Thamba, but they don't have the size that Kevin does down low. So, if you're going to have any sort of chance against some of the bigger, better teams in this league, I think it's got to come from getting Kevin Samuel more involved in the offense. But, again – He just wasn't really a factor in this victory. Uh, TCU jumped out to a huge lead. Kansas State had a really tough time shooting the ball early, um, but then that sort of resolved itself late. Good defense, though, from the Frogs overall. K-State shot 36% from the field on the day, 28% from three. Um, Not a good shooting day from deep. TCU only three of 13 from three-point land in this one, but I think it's encouraging that they're still able to win this game. They grind it out. Winning sixty-seven to sixty, um, and you know there's there's obviously a lot to improve uh, on this team, but they're they're finding ways to win these tough games against some Big Twelve competition that's similar to them. So tomorrow or tonight, actually, I'm recording this on Monday, but tonight they take on Kansas. Kansas is coming off an eighty-four to fifty-nine loss at Allen Fieldhouse, and the Hawks are coming to. Fort Worth to take on TCU um, obviously facing off against an angry KU team that is that doesn't seem too promising but the hope is maybe this team is just sort of still sleepwalking still in a state of shock from that uh, beat down on Saturday I would imagine though you're gonna get a highly motivated KU team number six in the country coming in tomorrow night and it's a late tip nine o'clock so much later than normal, but they'll face uh, they'll face KU tomorrow. You know, TCU has actually done, overall, a pretty nice job against Kansas. Now, they've only beaten them twice, and Jamie Dixon's only beaten them once, and that was in the Big 12 tournament in his first year. But they've kept the games competitive for the most part, and I feel like they do generally rise to the challenge when they face Kansas, as a lot of teams do. I mean, KU's going to get most – uh, team's best shot because until proven otherwise, they're still the class of this conference. They're still the team to beat in the Big 12, even though Texas just took them to the woodshed on Saturday. So I expect a, a highly motivated KU team. I think TCU's going to have to weather the storm early and, and try to just keep their head above water and stay in the game. And then maybe if they can sort of stabilize themselves, they'll be able to, uh, to make a run late. But Kansas, very good, very talented as they always are. And looking to bounce back from that loss to Texas. And TCU is about to hit just a brutal stretch of the schedule. Kansas, Baylor on Saturday. Baylor might be the best team in the country. Um, You could throw Gonzaga in there as well. But it's either Baylor or the Zags. Those seem to be the two best teams in the nation. They're playing TCU in Fort Worth on Saturday. Hopefully we can get uh, a repeat of that great upset in Shawmire Arena last year. And then Oklahoma, who you already lost to, West Virginia and Morgantown, um, Texas Tech at home, Texas, Kansas, and Missouri. So you're playing seven ranked teams in your next eight games. This is going to be a a true test of how good this team is. But the good news is, with with the Big 12 being as deep and as loaded as it looks to be right now, if you can sort of find a way to stay around 500 – you're going to have a chance to make the tournament. Now, TCU obviously doesn't have a great uh, non-conference resume. I mean, they beat Liberty. They beat Tulsa. Those are probably their two best non-conference wins. They lost that game to Providence in the Big East Challenge. So you're going to have to find a way to win some of these games against good, stiff competition over the next few weeks to keep yourself in that conversation. But That will be a fun one. I'll, I'll have a recap tomorrow on the pod. TCU in Kansas – Facing off tomorrow at 9 o'clock in Fort Worth. Coming up, we'll break down some Big 12 news. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. Now, what is it? It's a sportsbook uh, website. It's, a, it's your sports book experts, your online books experts. But one cool thing about betonline.ag is that they also do news. So, for instance, if you wanted to know more about Tom Herman getting fired and Steve Sarkeesian taking over, you could go to betonline.ag, and you could find that information there. But they also have live lines. Um, They have great advice on some of the best games in college basketball, the NFL. They're going to have a a lot of good information on the College Football National Championship and how you should bet that. And if you go to betonline.ag now and use that promo code LOCKEDON, you can get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus. Try it today, betonline.ag. Back on Locked on Horn Frogs, Stephen Simcox here with you. Let's talk some Big 12 news. And... Uh, The big news that came down over the weekend, it was Saturday morning. Texas, they had uh, publicly, you know, reached out to Urban Meyer. That was a a very um, public situation. Urban Meyer turns them down. They say, hey, Tom Herman's our coach. And shortly after Chris Del Conte makes that statement that Tom Herman is the coach in 2021, they go ahead and fire Tom Herman. And they decide to hire Steve Sarkisian. Now, I'll give the University of Texas credit for this. They pulled this off uh, relatively quietly. Now, I don't check, like, the Texas 247 boards every day, but I hadn't heard rumblings about this at all. This totally caught me off guard. So good for them for being able to do that after the debacle that was the Urban Meyer saga. Sarkeesian's a really interesting hire. Obviously, Alabama has an amazing offense. They also have Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle before he got hurt, the best offensive line in college football, Mac Jones, good quarterback. He had a lot to work with there. But creative offensive mind, good offensive mind. Uh, Sam Ellinger's leaving. He's headed to the NFL draft. Casey Thompson looked really good in the Alabama Bowl against Colorado. He can sling it around. Casey looks like a, a better passer than Sam Ellinger. And, I mean, Sam did a lot of great things. He was a really good college quarterback. He reminded me of Tim Tebow. Tough, gritty, could run the ball, ran the ball really well, and more of a power runner. I mean, wasn't going to just wow you with his speed and agility, but you could do some things by pulling your linemen, um, some QB counter stuff, some traps, get your guard and tackle around the edge. And he could run behind those big fellas and, and get a lot of yardage and get tough yards too. And they they really made him the focal point of their running game before Bijan Robinson emerged in the middle of the season. You know, as far as opposing coaching hires go, I sort of judge it like this. How many fans of different schools, rival schools, schools in the conference are actually like, Upset or unnerved, or when they see that name, they go, Oh man, that's a really good hire. That's going to be tough to deal with. So, if Texas hired Urban Meyer, which they didn't, as a TCU fan, I would be nervous. Like, that would make me really nervous because Urban Meyer has a proven track record. He's been great everywhere he's ever been. Now, you're also going to get a scandal probably a couple of years after he leaves, but hey, you live with that. In exchange for the winning that goes down. Steve Sarkeesian was a good coach at USC, but the best record he had when he was the Trojans head coach was nine and four. That sounds like what Tom Herman did. He was good for eight and five, nine and four, ten and three. Won a bowl game, made the Big Twelve title game once. So, I think it's a good hire. He's a good OC. He'll probably bring some new fresh ideas to that campus. I really don't know a lot about Sark as a recruiter. Um, But it's not hard to recruit Texas. Texas does not have a talent problem. That's not the issue at UT. It's not that they're not bringing in four- and five-star guys. They are. It's development. So, if he's the guy that's going to come in and start to develop these players that they've been able to bring in, then I think it's a really good hire for UT. I'm just not, as a as a TCU fan, I am not super nervous about Texas hiring Steve Sarkeesian. I think it's a solid hire, and it might turn out to be really good. But I don't think it's a slam dunk. And, I mean, that's really all you can ask for. Because that university has all the resources in the world. And if they really wanted to get it together and go get the guy that they think they can get... <clears throat> to turn this thing around, then it would be tough for everybody else in the Big 12, aside from Oklahoma, to keep up. But I don't get the impression that that's going to happen with hiring Steve Sarkeesian, at least not immediately. UT's in a good spot, though. I mean, but Robinson looked like one of the best players in the Big 12 when he finally started getting carries. Casey Thompson or Hudson Card, I mean, they're talented quarterbacks. We'll see what they look like in their first full year starting whichever guy ends up winning the job. And, again, it's not a talent deficiency. They're going to get guys there that can play. It's all about can you develop those players? Um, Can you make them better year to year? Can you get schemes in place that will allow them to do what they're best at? And that's what this group's been missing. It's what went by the wayside at the end of the Mac Brown era. It's what didn't work for Charlie Strong and what ultimately didn't work for Tom Herman. Now I think Herman was doing an okay job and I know he's the butt of a lot of jokes and he's an arrogant guy. And that means that if you fail, you're going to get roasted and rightly so. But I think he was actually doing a pretty decent job, but they didn't want to have patience. They wanted to move on. So Steve Sarkeesian gets his chance to be the next Texas head coach. Another funny development is it appears they're going to hire Will Muschamp as their defensive coordinator, which Will was at one time the head coach in waiting behind Mac Brown. He got impatient. He decided to leave. He took the job at Florida. It didn't work out. He took the job at South Carolina. It didn't work out. But he's a good defensive mind. So this is a good coaching staff that Texas is putting together. We've heard for years that they're one player away, one coach away, this or that. It's just one small thing that's going to change the culture there. We'll see. Um, we'll see if that's true or not. And we'll find out in a couple months. But Steve Sarkeesian, headed to Texas. Uh, also curious to see what happens with his recruiting class. They already signed. I don't think you'll have a ton of guys that defect, but maybe so. That's also something to watch. Uh, again, was, you know, 8-5, and 9-4 and four type of coach at USC. That's what Tom Herman got fired for. So can he do a better job than he did when uh, he was with the Trojans a couple of years ago? Coming up, we'll do our Pro Frogs report and wrap up the show. This is Lockdown Horn Frogs, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's talk about Rock Auto. I don't know much about cars. Um, And with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's really hard to go to your traditional just chain auto parts store and find exactly what you need. Um but that's why rockauto.com is a great place. It's online, it's a family business, they've been serving auto parts customers for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com and you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You can compare prices, you can compare um different, you know, manufacturers, models, what's going to work best for your car. Prices at rockauto.com are reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend twice as much on the same part? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car and truck. Write on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Final segment on Locked On Horned Frogs. Stephen Simcox here with you. Talking TCU athletics. Tomorrow we will have a recap of TCU basketball and their game against Kansas. We'll also uh, get into some, some more Big 12 news. There's been some more staff shakeups around the conference, so I'll break that down. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about the fallout from Chandler Morris headed to TCU. If you didn't listen to yesterday's pod, I'd encourage you to do so. Matt Jennings joined me on Monday's edition of Locked on Horn Frogs, and we broke down together um, Chandler Morris heading to TCU from Oklahoma what that means for this team, how they might use him. And I think Matt had some really good insight and answered some good questions that you might have on your mind when you saw that news. So that's on Monday's edition of Locked on Horn Frogs. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, You can do it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. Actually, yesterday I was searching on TuneIn because sometimes I listen to live radio on TuneIn. I listen to my own station. And I just happened to search TCU because I was in the car and I was trying to find Brian Estridge and John Denton on the call of the TCU men's basketball game. And I, I searched TCU, and the first thing that popped up was Locked on Horn Frogs. And I was like, heck yeah, my podcast is on TuneIn. So I didn't know that TuneIn did podcasts, but they do. And my pod is there. So if you like to use the tune TuneIn app or want to download it, um, Locked on Horn Frogs is also on TuneIn. So appreciate that. And that's another good place to find me. Okay, Pro Frogs report. Let's do it. Last one of the season. It was week 17. Uh, Let's start with our guy, Andy Dalton. Unfortunately, he will not be in the playoffs. The Cowboys finished 6-10. They lost to the Giants. 23-19 was the final score on Sunday. Andy was 29-47, 243 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. Um, Got the Cowboys in a position to score. They were down at the six-yard line, first and goal, with under two minutes left, chance to take the lead. But there was a sack, um, a drop pass by CeeDee Lamb, and then Andy ended up throwing a pick on third and goal, was trying, was under pressure again, was trying to get out of it, and just threw one up for grabs. So um, his season comes to an end. Did a nice job filling in for Dak Prescott with the Cowboys. I don't know what the offseason will hold for him. I hope that he ends up getting uh, a starting job if that's what he wants. But I think it could be really good for Andy if he just stays in Dallas as their full-time backup quarterback. I mean, I think that's an opportunity that he'll have. I feel like they really enjoyed having him there in the quarterback room in Dallas. Obviously, Dak Prescott is a starter when he's healthy. But Andy Dalton um, may be staying in the DFW area for the foreseeable future. We hope so, if they can maybe find a way to keep him and Dak Prescott around next season. Ross Blacklock finishes up his rookie season with the Texans. They get defeated by the Titans 41-38. to 38. Ross had three tackles, had ten tackles on the year. Um, that Texans defense really struggled all around. So interested to see what happens with a new head coach, possibly a new coordinator, and what Ross could look like in year two. But he finishes his rookie season with ten tackles for Houston. L.J. Collier did not record any stats uh, against San Francisco. Seahawks win 26-23. to 23 against the Niners. He had 16 tackles and three sacks on the year, so LJ slowly getting better. I know his rookie season was disappointing. This season was better. Um, He got three sacks. He got the quarterback a little bit, and hopefully that's something he can build on moving forward. Jeff Gladney had three tackles in a pass breakup, and the Vikings 37-35 win over the Lions. Vikings finished the season 7-9. Jeff's rookie season comes to an end. He had 63 tackles, one forced fumble, and three pass breakups, no interceptions. Um, Jeff was thrown in the fire in year one. I think he held up pretty well. Had a lot of tackles each week. You know, the next step for him is going to be making more plays, pass breakups, and interceptions, and we'll see if he can do that next season. Jerry Hughes had one tackle against Miami. The Bills uh, have the two seed. They look like maybe the best team in football right now. Uh, that AFC championship game could end up being Kansas City and Buffalo in KC. Jerry had 19 tackles and four and a half sacks. Also one interception um, during the regular season. And good luck to him and the Bills as they get ready for a playoff run. Jalen Rager ends his rookie season uh, with 31 receptions and 396 yards. He had one catch for 15 yards, and the Eagles lost 20-14 to 14 on Sunday night football. Eagles finished the year 4-11-1. Uh, Jalen had the injury, then he got back in the lineup and and never really gotten a great rhythm. I mean, he started to get some targets once he was healthy again. Of course, Philly had all sorts of turmoil on offense. Carson went started the year. Uh, Jalen Hurts ends the year as their starting quarterback. So um, maybe some stability there will help Jalen Rager. But I think it was a, a solid first season for him. Um, not as explosive as you'd like to see. He also got some yardage on punt returns. We'll see what he builds on going into year two. Vernon Scott did not record any stats, and the Packers 35-16 to win over the Bears, but the Packers finished 13-3. and They're headed to the playoffs, so we'll see what they do. They are the one seed, have home field advantage. The NFC playoffs will go through Lambeau this year. Ty Summers also didn't record any stats against the Bears, but he had 27 tackles in the regular season, so he and Vernon Scott... Will try to uh, make things happen in that playoff run for Green Bay. Jason Verrett, 50 tackles uh, this season. He had nine tackles against Seattle, and the uh, Seahawks defeat the Niners 26 to 23. But Verrett for the season had a great year for San Francisco: 50 tackles, two interceptions, and seven pass breakups. Really good to see Jason just back in the league and back playing again. I think considering the circumstances, he did a really fantastic job stepping into that starting corner role, ready to see uh, him moving forward. So, you know, Jerry Hughes, Vernon Scott, Ty Summers, those are guys to watch in the playoffs. That's your Pro Frogs report. I'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.